Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Rebecca Kladinsky, founder of cult swimwear label Exist. Beck started her brand at the ripe old age of 24 with just $2,000 while studying a double degree at uni. Eight years later, and Exist is a household name, loved and worn by celebrities like the Kardashians and Rihanna. Beck joins me today to talk about how she grew her business to international success, the role of Insta and influencers, and how she championed sustainability and e-commerce long before they were popular. Hi, Beck. Thank you for joining me. It's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. Now, yours is a very fascinating journey to me because how does someone go from studying forensic psychology to being like an absolute swimwear mogul? It just seems like such an enormous leap. It wasn't really something that I set out to do, which is the nice thing. It wasn't something that I had planned to do. It just started to work. And so this is way back when, before e-commerce, before Afterpay, before things got really crazy. So it just happened. This really happened. Was it from like you were having trouble finding a, a cosy that you liked yourself that you decided to go into the market? What was the story behind the yeah, brand? So back in you know, 2012, 2013, there wasn't really a happy medium of price point. So you either had really, really expensive or you had Kmart and Target prices. So there wasn't something that sat in the middle that was still a good product. So that's sort of where I was stuck. And I thought, I'm not the only one. There's got to be sort of other people that are feeling the same way. And so what was the process like then for you beginning the brand? Um, how many kind of design concepts did you come up with and what were, what were the main kind of features? There weren't very many design concepts. It was sort of just one bikini that I had in mind that I wanted to put together. And it was a bralette style, which I still carry today, but I remember having the thought it's a bralette and it's a bikini. So there's more bang for your buck there as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a score. And then it's just a matter of opening some lines of communication with manufacturers, which was at the time a bit daunting and confusing, but um, it was just one foot in front of the other, I remember. What was it that made you think, yep, I've I've got what it takes to do this? Because it sounds like you're a complete novice when it comes to business. So how did you go about, you know, as you say, finding those manufacturing connections, knowing you know, for a start that you weren't getting ripped off by a manufacturer, for example, because you didn't have that kind of experience. What were the kind of little baby steps that you took that helped you get to the, the end point when you actually got your product out? Well, by nature, I'm a tenacious kind of person and my street smart excel my book smart. So when it comes to price points and figuring, like if I'm getting ripped off or just making things happen, 
I just have a way of doing that. And I think that comes, uh, you know, successful business owners, I think, have this. It's just a little bit of something extra that, you know, pushes you to ask for a discount or pushes you to tweak a design. It's just something in me. Um, it's an innate thing. I don't know. I just, I don't like to settle for what's given to me. I like to push the boundaries a little bit. And so you've got your, your first product that's come back. You're really happy with it. How do you get it out there to the people? Well, this is way back when. Um, so, you know, I just posted a photo on Instagram. I remember having to Google what a hashtag was. I just didn't know what I was doing. So posted on Instagram and then we're going to the markets every weekend. So at the time I was living in Melbourne and we're going to the markets in Brighton and, you know, on Greville Street and just all of these trendy places. And then it's just word of mouth. So it was the growth of my business was truly organic in the sense that it was people talking about it and there was no paid you know, no sponsored posts, no endorsed influencers promoting it. It was just people buying and talking and buying and talking. Well, that's the the best way I think to yeah. get a business rolling, that word of mouth. That is what kind of really has an impact. You must have just seen some incredible changes, like going from Instagram in those early days where like, you know, you couldn't buy stuff off Insta like you can now. There wasn't yeah. that whole influencer market. Yeah. Was it still a useful tool for you though? Instagram still is a very useful tool. Um, it allows you to be creative and to show different sides of the brand and to actually give the brand a bit of a quirky identity. But back then it was less thought out, so it was more organic. It, you know, there was less planning the grid and less copy conversation. So it was nicer. It was easier back then, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, great photo. Chucking yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah. Now I just wouldn't even, de- I wouldn't dream about starting a bikini business at this point. <laughs> really? Yeah, you I do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so saturated and like all the brands that can just pop up on Instagram in, in 30 seconds. It's wild. Speaking of bikini business, it's I imagine it would be quite cyclical as well or is it not once you began to look internationally rather than just locally? Because obviously bikinis are summer. <laughs> yeah, so, no, we, I, we're busy all the time. So we go into winter, but then Europe and America come alive, you know, spring break and Coachella and European holidays. And then you've got Christmas and summer in Australia. So it's it's just constant. You wouldn't think that because, and I used to get asked that a lot. Everyone would say, oh, are you quiet? It's winter. But no, my international market is just pumping. Did you always have your eye on this is going to be a global brand? No. So I never set out with the intention to take over the world, to be spotted on celebrities, to do be doing X amount of dollars a year. I really just wanted to have something that enabled me to pay the mortgage and have a nice car and be happy. But now here we are. So everything else is just a cherry on the top, to be honest. And what was it like when you saw your first, Was were the Kardashians the first kind of famous celebs to adopt your brand? Yeah, it was Kylie Jenner. She was the first one. Um, and then it just was a flow on effect from there. But it, it was nice. It was really, really cool to see it. <laughs> did, you, did you have any idea? Like had they been like going, hey, we'd like some samples of these. (laughs) Well, at the time it came through as an email from a stylist in inverted 
commas and I remember thinking oh my gosh this can't be a stylist this is this is a joke we're sending out free bikinis to strange people that's a hundred dollars I've just lost yeah but it turned out to really be her stylist (laughs) (laughs) the best hundred dollars that you've lost ever yeah I didn't know what a stylist was and I thought I was just sending out free bikinis to some con woman that's claiming to be Kylie Jenner's assistant (laughs) someone catfishing you (laughs) yeah but um it was true and did the the business really snowball from there yeah from there it just I've been lucky the business has never dipped so I've always had you know a positive and upward trajectory of growth Did it force you to have to scale quite rapidly? Did everyone suddenly want your bikinis? It didn't force me to scale. I Yes, everyone wanted them. And then I sort of was one of the first brands as well to adopt the pre-order mentality or that pre-order hysteria. So Kylie Jenner sold out within 24 hours and I thought, oh, my God, people are still asking for it. I'm losing all of this money. What am I going to do? Um. So then pre-order became a thing and then I was able to stabilise my units, you know, the bikini units that were coming in and allow for all of that consumption, I guess. Where does your design inspiration come from? It comes from myself. So if ever there's a moment and I think, oh, my God, this doesn't exist, why is this happening, why does the strap fall off, there's not enough padding, I go and I fix it myself and then I go to market with the product that I didn't have before. Because I know for certain that whenever anything like that happens, you're not alone. Whether it's a toothbrush or a bikini, if there's an issue or there's a hole, you're definitely not alone. Yeah, it's quite a common story for founders. They they see a problem personally that's yeah. impacting and then they're like, hmm, I could fix that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a human thing. That It's just a yeah human tactic, I guess. And how has COVID impacted the business? I imagine for a lot of swimwear labels it's been pretty hard because everyone's been trapped inside but I hear your story's been a little different yeah we'll see I knew as soon as COVID happened that if we could just weather the storm we'd be fine and it's I am fine I've always kept my finger actually on the pulse with all of my finances my marketing the whole shebang so I didn't have anyone that I was answering to in that aspect And as soon as it happened, it just, you know, I fine-tuned everything that was going on. I had to let go of staff that we didn't need. And, you know, we're all working from home, so you've got to figure that out. But we're okay. And touching on what I said earlier, I would hate to have been a brand or I would hate to be a brand now that has just jumped into the industry because it's really hard. And did you pivot at all? Not really. I've never been brick and mortar. So we've always been online, 100% online. Our wholesalers, I've, um, we're still wholesale, but it was just got a little bit smaller because, you know, the courier companies just couldn't keep up. And then there was a lycra shortage, which happened in 2020, as soon as COVID happened. <laughs> Who would think that would be a thing, a lycra shortage? <laughs> the industry was totally impacted by COVID because dyes weren't being able to be produced or shipped. And then the lycra wasn't being able to be produced or shipped. And then it was just a stoppage there. But no, we've been all right. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do when that 
the great lycra shortage of 2020 <laughs> hit the business. Well, we put things on pre-order and we also launched loungewear, which was very appropriate, the whole working from home thing happening. So bikinis and then working from home lounge, we pushed a lot of the lounge and then just the, the standard black and white bikinis that we had on hand. And we reduced, obviously, the number, the units that we had and we had to go to market with a, just a different approach and just change a few colours and that type of thing. And is loungewear going to be a permanent part of your brand now? Yeah, yeah, it will be. I've always done like bikini cover-ups but never a full collection or a capsule like we added last year. So, yes, it's here to stay. <laughs> and what do you think has been the biggest lesson you've learnt from this whole experience of the last 18 months? I think I was right when I didn't want to release control of so much of my company. And that just, it scares me to think about having had employed or given, you know, full control of social media or marketing or the finances or production to somebody else, because then something like this were to happen and then you've got a real shitstorm. sorry, but you've got a lot of people that you're answering to. Mm. so I think I was right in not relaxing in that aspect is that because it's easy once you grow a brand it's easy to get people in it it's easy to put your feet up and and just give orders it's much harder to stay stay at the reins for nine years yeah it's a long journey is there still passion and excitement for your brand yeah I love it I'm a yeah love it I'm just a control freak and this is my baby <laughs> and um I've got yeah I'm not going anywhere anytime soon what do you think is it about the industry that still gets you excited it's not so much about the industry it's the business itself I'm just yeah. extremely proud of what I have done and what I can do and I'm a single person so I've never had I've had interest definitely investors come knocking all day long it's just me that's calling the shots and making the decisions and changing and evolving the brand so that's what gets me going. I'm just so proud of it. It is, um, as you say, being that person, that one person who is in charge of the brand. I imagine that also made it a lot simpler for you when COVID did hit. Yeah, it was you. You had you to answer to. Apart from obviously, you want to take care of your staff or that kind of thing. But the bottom line is, it all sat with you. But did that also bring a lot of pressure? Totally. So hard to be the the one person that's responsible for so much. You know, I'm responsible for the food that people are eating, for the rent that they're not paying if they're not paying their rent. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's hard, but it it's, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's just part of it, I guess. Because if I'm sacrificing a bit of the company and I'm having a partner on board, then I'm opening or allowing conversation to happen and I'm sharing that with somebody else and I really don't want to do that so I have to wear it it's it's all me so I imagine you're looking forward to business reopening as we all are are you in Melbourne still I'm on the Gold Coast ah oh, yes. lucky thing free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm excited for Christmas yes I'm excited for everybody to get excited again to be honest because you can feel it when people are enthusiastic and they're posting pictures and they're just happy that's the best part of it, travelling, seeing those selfies, yeah. Mm, I think we're all looking forward to being able to catch up with everyone again. Yeah, definitely. And lastly, any advice for someone, an entrepreneur, potential entrepreneur sitting at home, they've come up with an idea, 
they're not sure if it'll work or not? Should they just get out there and give it a go? See, my previous advice pre-COVID was always, yes, jump in and just stay in your lane. But now it's a little bit different. I would definitely advise everybody to do your market research, to really think about the market that you're jumping into, to have the money there to save you if it doesn't work or the pandemic flares up again. But think about the market because there's so much available at this point. And what's your point of difference? How are you different from everybody else? And how is that going to set you up for the next 10 years? Because it's all well and good to enter the market with a really cool t-shirt, but what else have you got to give? And what are you doing different? And why should someone spend their money on you? Yeah, that's that's great advice, actually. And I did say lastly, but I actually want to touch on one more thing, sustainability. Mm. That's also a very important part of your business. Do you think that these days consumers are expecting that from brands? I think they are. I think everyone is thinking twice about it. It's interesting though now that it is a movement because my swimwear has been sustainable since day one. We just didn't talk about it in 2012, in 2013. It was kind of, I don't want to say disgusting, but if you were given an option to have a recycled bikini back then, you you wouldn't have done it. Um, so you just didn't, it wasn't sexy to talk about, but now it's a thing. Still, I'm saying if you've got a bikini of mine from 2013, it's sustainable, it's fully recycled. But now, yes, I think it is a, it is a thing and people are thinking twice about it. So it's important. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Beck. It's been lovely chatting to you. And um, good luck with whatever the new year brings. And, and you. lucky you out out and about on the Gold Coast. Degrees <laughs> today as well. <laughs> you're just you're punishing me even yeah, more. I'm Stop sorry. it. <laughs> sorry. Thank you for having me though. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.